Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Welcome. This is the Breakfast with Champions podcast, one of the most unique, amazing, and powerful podcasts you'll ever come across in your entire life. Listen, we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration, and ultimately give you an opportunity to get a seat at the table, to hang out with some of those that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. What makes this podcast so unique and incredible is we have over a hundred different thought leaders that are constantly delivering amazing, over-the-top, powerful, and impactful content in bite-sized nuggets that you can absorb, take action on, and implement in your life. So with that said, make sure you filter through. There's going to be some of these thought leaders, these experts in their industries that you're ultimately gonna connect with. You're gonna totally, totally resonate. It's gonna totally be your vibe. And then there's gonna be other ones that you're gonna be like, eh, you know what? I like them, but I don't know if I love them. And that's what's great about Breakfast with Champions is we have something for everyone. So make sure you sift through, find the ones that you love, and know that they'll be coming back every single week to be able to deliver to you the motivation and education and inspiration that you need. With that said, my name is Glenn Lundy. I am your host. Super excited to connect with you. And let's kick off today's episode of Breakfast with Champions. I've been having an amazing conversation this morning. Well, first, let me introduce myself before I get into that, because you guys know once I get going, I am gone, out of body. I just let the spirit take over. But, you know, I was having a conversation with my kids, my two oldest kids this morning, my 20-year-old son and my 18-year-old daughter. And for like two hours, we were just talking about greatness and we were talking about life and we were talking about creating and seeing beyond the, the, the lens that most people see who stay where they're choosing to stay stuck at. You know, and we were just having this amazing conversation. And I was telling my kids, I said, because, you know, my kids know, like, they've grown up with me. My oldest son was four when my life changed, you know, but we're having an amazing conversation. And I'm going to get into that. But, you know, my name is Princeton Clark, and I've been a speaker, a coach, an author. I'm also a podcast host. All my information is in my bio. So I'm not going to go on there and do all that, (laughs) you know, but, you know, I've gotten to work with people, great. Great, great speakers in the industry like Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi. I've been a mastery expert and coach and pioneer in the space for going on 18 years at this point. But you know what? I didn't get to this place in my life because I was seeking success. You know, I recorded a podcast yesterday on my Evolved Mastery podcast, and I was talking about success versus significance. And I was sharing with the people that, you know, for my entire life, I saw people with money. I saw people with quote unquote success, but I also saw some of these same people committing suicide. I saw some of these same people miserable in their relationships. I saw some of these same people as only half versions of themselves because they had lost themselves in the roles of their businesses or whatever it was that they were creating. And early in my journey, I said, I don't want that. If that's what success is, I do not want it. You know, but early in my journey, you know, my mentors, because growing up where I grew up after everything that I experienced in my life from a molestation and abuse and then failed suicide attempt, you know, I, I realized I didn't have people in my life to speak to me, to, to lead me and guide me. And growing up, I grew up in the Bible Belt of Virginia. So give you guys a little backstory. Growing up in the Bible Belt of Virginia, you know, I always tell people I was a drug baby. I got drugged to church because <laughs> it's it Southern Baptist, hellfire, brimstone, you know, and I remember being a kid thinking, 
you know, if this is love, I don't want it. You know, if, if judgment is all we get, then that's, that's how I don't want it. And so early in life, I walked away. I separated from anything spiritual, anything higher than myself. And that, long story short, you guys can imagine how my life ended up. It wasn't that great. But at the age of 23, I tried to kill myself. And I had this huge spiritual epiphany. And that week, I quit drinking. I quit using drugs. In a week, I quit. I walked away from games. I isolated myself from everything that was no good for me. And I went on the search. I was hungry. I wanted to know what it meant to truly live. I wanted to know what it meant to truly give birth to something. If I was where I was as a result of my own decisions, then what can I do to be greater in my life? What can I do to manifest newness in my life, but not just my life, in the lives of every person that would cross my path? Because see, I found purpose on the other side of that failed suicide attempt. I found greatness and a reason to live on the other side of that suicide attempt. I found a reason to serve and a reason to love. And so as I began my journey growing up at that time in my life, I didn't have, again, I didn't have mentors. All I really knew to go back to was the Bible. You know, and so for an entire year in isolation, I'm studying from beginning to end, but I'm not just studying basically what's been exegetically broken down and what people are teaching. I am not studying just that. I, I bought an exhaustive concordance. I started studying the Hebrew, the Greek, the Aramaic. I wanted to understand what is it that they were truly saying, not from a literal perspective, but from a cultural, from also a cultural perspective. What were they enduring? How did this tribal group of people perceive the world and why did they communicate the way that they communicated and what was being lost in translation as a result of people not fully understanding what the message or the illustration of the message was actually meaning. And so I was hungry. I wanted to know why were there so many people claiming to believe in something so great who were living less than greatness. And so what I want to talk to you guys today about is awakening your greatness. Awakening your greatness. Because, see, I got hungry. I started studying these stories of people who came from the most unlikely places to create these, these, these gigantic movements to impact entire nations, to flip kingdoms upside down. And I said, if that's the energy that flows within me, if that's the spirit that flows within me, then I'm not just going to read about what these people did. I need to know how they did it. I need to know how they began to live a life of such significance that it flipped reordered, rearranged, and evolved every aspect of their life and everything that touched that life. And so I went on this deep journey. And, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a room of, of people who believe and who follow the Bible. You know, I tell people all the time, I have a bachelor's in biblical studies and Eastern religion. I've studied all the faiths, all the things that people say they believe that give them a framework for why they show up in the world the way they do, how they respond the way they do, so on and so forth. I've studied conscious psychology. I've studied human motivations and what primes people to be how they are to create the realities that they create. But I'll tell you something. Out of everything that I studied, my avatar, I always say, people ask me, well, are you a Christian? Are you a Buddhist? What are you? And I tell them, I am not a title. I am not a label. I simply am. Whatever the I am of all that is requires me to me to be in my finite mind can't even begin to comprehend what that is. So I have to stay in submission to what is coming through me. I have to stay in submission to my intuition. I have to stay connected to that still small voice that's always speaking 
Because just like Jesus, I understand that it is not about me. It's about what's trying to come through me. And so I have to stay in surrender to that. If I truly want to continue to manifest greatness in my life, if I truly want to continue to shift nations with my life, if I truly want to upset the mediocrity and the normalcy that people live in, and if I truly want to be a disruptor that awakens people to believing what is possible for them, I have to stay submitted to that thing which is greater than me that is speaking to me every day, igniting this fire within me that gives me the ability and the potential and the power and the purpose to give birth to something so amazing that it ignites change in every part of my life and in every life that crosses my path. But how did I get to this point? Coming from being in games, being on drugs, hating myself. I tell people all the time, they hear me talk and they're like, oh, Princeton, you're so amazing. Oh, your message is so powerful. But I tell them all the time, I used to be malicious. I didn't care about life. I didn't care about you. I used to say, I hate people. I hate the world. If you had walked past me and looked at me wrong, I would put a gun to your head and wouldn't think twice about it. That's who I used to be until I found what I truly am. Until I was set free from the lie that I chose to live. But what got me from that point to this point? And for me, there were several things. But the greatest thing was, again, in that first part of my journey, that first year of my journey, studying the Bible and then going back to school and getting my bachelor's in biblical studies in Eastern religion, there was this underlying thread in every belief that I was studying. And you know what it was? This unwavering power to love, to infuse love into everything. And I remember studying the message of Jesus because a lot of people believe, oh, we can't do what Jesus did. And, and, I'm going to go a little biblical today, if you guys don't mind. Flash your mics if you don't mind me go a little biblical today. Um, I'm going to go a little biblical today, and we're going to talk about <clears throat> this message that Jesus left the world. See, because I believe a lot of people have eyes. Like Jesus said, they have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. And so when I started studying the message of Jesus, I always say, I am, I am not a Christian. I am a disciple of the message of Jesus. See, because anybody can say, I'm, I'm a... I believe this. This is what I see. But when I say I am a disciple of the message, then it has to show up in my life because I am copying and, re and, and emulating the very essence of what it was. So what was the message? When Jesus first hit the scene, his message was not repent, 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 because I've come to save your soul. His message was repent, which that word repent in the Aramaic it means to, because he spoke Aramaic, he didn't speak Greek. And this is what a lot of people don't understand. There's a lot in the translation in the Bible when we are looking at it that a lot is lost in translation because it was translated from Greek in the book that we have. But the original language that Jesus spoke was Aramaic. And so when you read it in Aramaic and you understand that the Aramaic language is a breathed language, it's an illustrative language, it's not always a literal language. As a matter of fact, one word in Aramaic can have 50 to 100 different meanings depending on its context. You can read the same word in two, two passages back to back, and both times that word is going to mean something different in that passage. So I got deep into that. I was hungry. But Jesus came out, and he, when he came out of the wilderness after the 40 days and 40 nights, you know, of being tested, to be proven, to, show, show, to be shown worthy of carrying this mantle, he came out with this message, repent for the kingdom is at hand. That word repentance in Aramaic means to turn back to, to remember. It means it's like a 180 degree turn. It's turning away from what you think you know and remembering what truly is. 
for the kingdom is here now. His entire message was the kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. You will never see Jesus preach Jesus. You will never preach, see Jesus preach being worshipped. As a matter of fact, he said, I did, not come to, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. So why is it that in our belief systems, we've put even Jesus on this pedestal of being something that we can't be? Even in John 14, 12, he says, if you truly believe, if you are a true disciple of what I have taught you, if you truly believe, then the same works I have done, you will do also, but greater works than these shall ye do because I return back to the Father, back to the progenitor, back to the source of all life. I am going back, but I've only had three years to do the work that I have done. You are still here, so pick up the mantle, do as I have done, but understand that as you step into the doing of what I have done, you will do even greater things. So why is it that we put Jesus on this pedestal? You know, and I was talking to my son about family from back home because they just got back from Virginia, you know, and he was talking about how, you know, they're, they're great at quoting the scriptures and, and the religion and all the stuff, but they don't live it. You know, are we truly living in what it means to be great? Do we truly understand that if seed produces after its own kind and we were created after the image and likeness of quote unquote God, we are divine spiritual beings in the same way that a mother and a father come together to incarnate and bring into this life a child in their own image and their own likeness. Spiritually, we have all come from the greatness that has given birth to all life. And this is why in our thoughts, our words and our actions, we create life. You live in a completely different world from me. We live in a completely different world from each other because how you see, perceive, and speak about your life and how you respond to your life is creating your life. Your life is a product of you. And as I always say, you are the root of the tree of your life. But will you really receive that within you there is greatness? Do you receive the power of what you are? See, that's what changed for me. But I saw it through the eyes of love. I saw it through a lens of love. When you see someone like Jesus who only taught kingdom, who only taught love, he only gave two commandments. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, which God is all things. Paul hits on that in Romans when he says, God is clearly seen in all things, but you deny this aspect of God. Instead, you create a God in your image, after the image of corruptible man, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Paul hit every religion in that statement. Could it be that Christianity has created a God in man's image that, that's judgmental, that's hateful, that's vindictive, that's, that's, that's separative? Like, but, but that's not true. If God is love and they that walk in love are one with God, then the true God of all that is, is love. And so how you see this is in the message of Jesus and so many others is that when he's hanging on the cross, this man has been beaten beyond recognition. Beaten beyond recognition, the flesh torn from his body, a crown of thorns placed on his head, nails put through his hands and his feet, and he hangs there, and he looks out over these groups of people who have judged him. You know, you talked about the judgment and handling judgment and then owning the confidence of what you are and stepping into the position of creating what you have the potential to create. After growing, Jesus was a pure example of what this looked like, despite his will being that he didn't want to go to the cross. A lot of people say, well, Jesus, he did this and he, no, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He said, if there's any other way, let this cut pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine will, the divine will be done. People say Jesus was perfect. Jesus wasn't perfect. 
Otherwise, why would he cry out, Eli, Eli, Lamak Sabakani? My God, my my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did you leave me? Even Jesus knows the plight of feeling like he's going at it alone. Even he knows the plight of turning away from your greatness because the path seemed hard. But he also understood the power of love. And this is why when he hung on the cross, after being told he would be given a second chance and he would be saved if he just denied all the teachings that he had taught about standing in your power, owning your greatness, returning to the kingdom, not relying on people to teach you and tell you what you are religiously or politically, but to own your power to create change, to take care of the defenseless, to take care of those who are in need, to love your neighbor as yourself, to be love and to see love in all things. See, he, he, he couldn't neglect that. He couldn't turn away from that. He couldn't 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 refute what he had said and so that's what sent him to the cross because he refused to 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 give that back he refused to recant what he had said so these same people after he's been beaten and hung on this cross the same people who at one point when everything was hunky-dory were crying hosanna hosanna on the highest oh we love you jesus we love you we love you you know some of you have people in your life who when you were just doing the bare minimum they they loved you they loved you because you were right where they are. And then the moment you had to rise to accept the cost of your greatness and you had to evolve and you had to change and face things that they weren't willing to change and face. See, because Jesus's family didn't want him to go to the cross. They didn't want him to be out there because they didn't want him to lose his life. And this is why Jesus said, who are my mother, my brother, my sisters, except for those who do the will of the father? Who are my mother, my brother, my sisters, except for those who walk in love, except for those who have walked in the kingdom? Who See, see there was a standard that he drew but these same people who at one point said, we love you, Jesus, we love you. When Jesus had to step into his greatness to the point where he couldn't deny this great love, he couldn't deny the power of individual greatness. He couldn't deny the greatness of what we were here for, to heal the land, to bring power to the world, to restore, to bring restoration. He couldn't deny that. And so it cost him his life. And the same people, when he had to go to that distance, even Paul, one of his most closest comrades, you know, they called him Petra, the rock. You know, even Paul denied him three times. I don't know that man. I don't know him. I don't know. Don't put me there. See, your closest friends will deny you when you go to elevate and you start facing challenges. And this is when you find out what your circle is really made of. And this is why I say, if you're the smartest and the strongest person in your circle, you need to get a new circle. It's time to awaken to your greatness. It's time to repent, to turn back to the kingdom within you. Jesus said, don't listen to men when they say, lo, the kingdom is here or the kingdom is there, as though it's something external. He said, for I tell you, the kingdom is in you. It's in you. It's already here now. It's not something you have to seek. If you own the kingdom that's in you, you own the power that's in you, and you speak a thing, it has to be. You think a thing, it has to be. You respond to a thing, and it has to be. Because the kingdom inheritance of what you are as a divine spiritual being is being created as you move, breathe, and operate in your life. Do you understand your greatness? Are you ready to awaken? to your greatness. See, I don't speak to the minds of people. I couldn't care less what you think about me. I couldn't care less what your assessment is because I'm not speaking to your brain right now. I'm speaking to your soul. I'm speaking to that part of you that knows that there's been something there your entire life and you haven't been able to put a finger on it. There's been this rumbling in you your entire life and you know that you the life that you've been settling for is not good enough because you're capable of more. The kingdom has been speaking to you your entire life.
It has been charging you to rise your entire life. It's there speaking in your quiet times when you're crying and nobody can see you after you've spent the day showing up like everything's perfect. It's there when your family walks away. It's there when your friends walk away. It's there when you're facing your deepest emotional, mental, physical challenges and it's speaking to you daily. Will you repent? Will you remember what you are? You are not that reflection that you see in the mirror. See, this is what Jesus tried to get us to see. Be renewed by the transforming of your mind, your conscious understanding of what you are. If you, if you awaken to what you are, then who you are has to fall in alignment. See, the reason I am where I am now is because over 17 years ago, I spoke something, I set it into motion, and my life had to match it because Princeton is going to be whoever the hell I say Princeton is. Not who my mama said, not who my dad said, not who the system says, not who the schooling system says, not who friends say. Princeton is going to be who I say. As the I am is, so I am. So all I can create is what I am in my life. Jesus understood this. And he also felt for the people. Going back to when you step into your greatness, people are going to walk away. These same people, as you're rising, they're going to start criticizing you. <laughs> the criticism is going to come. As Jude was hitting on that earlier, the criticism is going to come. Why? Because you become a mirror to them of what's possible. All their excuses become exposed for what they are. Monuments of nothingness that will create nothing. So when the criticism comes, see that as a sign of your rise. See that as a sign of your restoration back unto the power of what you are. See, that's what Jesus did. So when the people were yelling, crucify, 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 because he understood his assignment, he was able to hang up there after being beaten beyond recognition and being booed and having stuff thrown at him, food and rocks. He was able to look out over the people, understanding that they just didn't know what they were. And he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. I remember the first time I read that, I could have thrown the entire book out the window. I remember reading that and I said, I don't care if I ever have anything else in my life. I wanna love like that. I wanna love people like that. I wanna infuse that kind of love into my business I want to infuse that kind of love into my relationships. I want to fuse that kind of love into my, my connections with myself. You know, I want to infuse that kind of love into everything I do. And you know what I've done over the course of these past going on 18 years? It'll be 18 years in September. Or actually, it's September now. So 18 years at the end of this month on this journey, I have dedicated myself to love. I have dedicated myself to exposing ego. I have dedicated myself to being able to love people no matter what. And that's what allows me to stand in the power that I stand. You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. 
How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60 year record this past January. All of these dealers join the 800% club and together we continue to win. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out and now I want to build one with you. You and your team deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. And that's what allows me to be, be so fruitful in my life. Because if you truly want to be great in your life, you have to understand that great love. You have to understand how to love, how to serve, how to solve the problems of the world in a way that impacts nations, that changes people's lives. And so this is something I've dedicated myself to. Early in my journey, I said, I don't wanna be a one-dimensional leader. I wanna be a multi-dimensional leader. I wanna be able to speak to anyone who crosses my path and I wanna be able to inspire them. No matter where you put me, you can put me on the streets, you can put me in a boardroom, you can put me in a coliseum with thousands of people, and no matter what, my greatness will be seen because the greatness of me is my love. When we look at the greatness of what we are, see, a lot of us chase success. But as I said in my podcast, if you guys haven't had a chance to check it out, Go follow the Evolve Mastery podcast. It's on Audible. It's on IT or Apple Podcasts. It's on Amazon Music and all the other streaming platforms. You can find it, but it's Evolve Mastery. The information is in my bio, but in it, I was yesterday I was talking about success versus significance. See, when you walk in love, you're living a life of significance. But see, this is the thing. This is the kicker. When you live a life of significance, a life that impacts other people, a life that creates change in the world, because you have to become the change that you want to see in the world, guess what? What begins to happen is as your inner world changes, the external world has to line up to match that inner world. And so as I seek to be significant first for myself, what's gonna, be, what's gonna begin to happen is as I seek significance and I learn to love myself, I'm there. The more deeply I'm able to love myself and add love in my own life, the more deeply I can give that and educate and bring that to the lives of other people. So as I'm doing that, Guess what happens? Like Zig Ziglar said, you help enough people get what they want, you'll always have what you want. You help enough people get what they need, you'll always have what you need. You know, and so knowing that, guess what the byproduct of significance is? You got it, success. Success is the byproduct of living a life of significance. And guess what? Every single day, you are given an opportunity to live a life significantly, significantly different, significantly more powerful, significantly, significantly more impactful, you're able to create significance. And that significance leads a legacy every day. And as I've said before in previous talks, I want you to start asking yourself, what is the legacy that I can leave today? Every day I wake up, I wake up excited because I get to love somebody. I get to inspire people. I get to face challenges 
that challenged me to love myself more deeply, that challenged me to believe in myself more. I get to face challenges that challenge me to be a better father, that challenge me to be a better significant other to my fiance, that challenge me to be you know, a, a better leader. See, I wake up embracing those things every day because I know the more I embrace them, the more love I am going to awaken to. And the more love I awaken to, the more significance I can add to my life and to the lives of those around me. And as I add that significance, the doors open. I firmly believe that if you want to awaken to your greatness, it starts with first awakening to love. Awakening to love, honoring each moment, understanding that every single moment, every single breath, as I always say, and I say it over and over and over again, every single moment is a gift to you. The next moment is not promised. We waste significant moments. Every moment of your life is a significant moment. Why? Because it might be your last. What will you do with it? Who will you love? Who will you impact? How will you impact your life? What will be the legacy in how you respond to your life today? See, no matter where you put me, because I understand that I am a legacy and I am significant because I own that and I don't need anybody to tell me. See, when you truly learn to love yourself, you don't need somebody to validate you. You don't need somebody to tell you that you're great. You don't need somebody to tell you what your worth is. You don't need somebody to acknowledge what your purpose in this world is. See, you don't need it. See, no matter where you put me, I was having a conversation and, you know, I talked to Dean, Graziosi, Tony, we all sitting there. I, I, I remember having this conversation and saying, you know what? You both are great. You are great. You show up powerfully in the space and the zone of your own genius. But if you put all three of us on the stage, the one thing you will never be is me. See, I don't feel any need to compare. I don't feel any need to feel like I need to find the value from other people. They're just people on their journey who've reached a certain point because they got in, divine timing, did the work, and now they are where they are. But one thing that I learned working in the industry is that my spirit spoke to me one day. As I walked in, I'm working full time with, with, with Dean in the office out here at mastermind.com. I'm, I'm working, I'm helping them create their or reform their six week coaching program. And we're getting ready to launch the KDB 2.0 uh, message to mastery program. And all this stuff is coming out, you know? And so I'm there and spirit, as I'm sitting there one day, spoke to me and said, If I would bring you to this point, at this point in your journey, how much farther do you think I'm going to take you? How much farther do you, gonna, you think I'm going to take you? If I would bless you with this opportunity and you get in here and you do it like it's nothing, like it's breathing for you, how much further do you think I'm going to take you? See, sometimes life will open doors for you and you wonder, you know, you, it might be financial increase. It might be an opportunity that opened that you didn't expect to open. And then what happens is after you're doing it for a while, all of a sudden that door closes. The finances, that stream of income stop and you start, what is happening? You start wondering if you did something wrong. And no, life is looking at you right now and it's saying, I was only showing you a portion of what I'm trying to bring into your life. If you know that I'll bless you with that, how much more do you think I have for you? The doors are opening, but I need you to expand. I need you to expand in love. I need you to expand in clarity. I need you to expand in your vision. Speak your vision daily. Think on that vision daily. Write that vision daily. And let me expand the vision so that your eyes can see 
and your ears can hear what I have for you. What is the spirit trying to bring into your life right now? What have you been asking for that requires you to own your greatness? A lot of times people say, well, I don't know. How, do, how, how can I think about that? And I say, I want you to think about, now I was talking to my kids about this this morning, and I've said it before. I said, I want you to think about seeing yourself doing all the things that you know you are gifted to do. For those of you who do have a vision, who are aware of what you have the potential to create, I want you to envision you doing all the stuff. I want you to, you to envision living a happy, healthy, whole life, doing what you love and getting paid to do it. I want you to envision yourself building that company, building that business that's going to impact and create significance. And as you think about yourself living that, as your eyes are closed right now, or as you think about it maybe in your own time, as you think about walking in that level of greatness and the gratitude and the peace and the level of responsibility that comes with being that version of you, I want you to ask yourself, what is that version of you doing that this current version of you isn't? See, because a lot of the time, it's easy to dream. It's easy to have a vision. But what we don't understand is the vision is only a part of it. The vision only comes so that you can see what direction you need to run in. This is why biblically it says, write the vision and make it plain so that they that read it can run with it. But are you running with the vision? See, we get on apps like Clubhouse and everybody's talking about their vision or their business. Are you already running with it? Can you paint a picture so clear to me of how great it is and what it's creating impact? And can you create the vision to me so clearly to the point where if, I, if it's something that's in my vein of flow, I can take off and I can run with you right now. If you haven't gotten to the point where you're that clear in your vision, guess what? The tests that are coming in your life and the challenges that are coming in your life are only coming to open your eyes and open your ears to be able to see the vision more clearly, to hear the vision more clearly. This is why challenges come. Each one of you have your own life path curriculum, but the tests that come, understand this, the a great teacher will never test you on anything you haven't already been taught a lesson on. So when life, God, source, universe, starts speaking to you through your life, through the test, understand that you're only being tested because the wisdom has already come. And now the spirit is testing your spirit to see if you're truly going to rise to the occasion and apply what has been taught to you. There's going to be moments where you want to give up, but keep pushing forward. Love yourself enough to know that what's trying to come through you is not about you. It's about what you are here to leave to the world. You wanna awaken to your greatness? You have to choose to step 100% into it in every single moment. You have to choose to rise to the occasion in every single moment. You gotta be willing to separate yourself from the drama, the trauma, the ignorance, and the excuses. And you have to be willing to accept that you are the root to the tree of your life. And if there's any rotten fruit in your tree, it's because you've created it. Now, understand this. You don't always create what happens to you. You don't always create the circumstances. As a kid, I didn't create the circumstances of being molested. I didn't create the circumstances of being abused mentally, physically, verbally, emotionally. I didn't create it. But as an adult, I get to choose if I'm gonna give it power. See, 
people laugh or they wonder, like, how can you say you're grateful for being molested? You're grateful for being abused. And I apologize. No, I don't apologize if it triggers you, but I do honor where you are in your journey. But I want to say this. You need to understand how powerful you are. And this is what I had to learn. I love, like I was saying in my mentorship program last night, if I saw, like, the, it was a distant relative, a cousin, a male figure in my life that molested me. But now when I go home, if I see him, I can hug him and tell him I love him. Why? Because I understand hurt people hurt people. At some point in his life, he didn't have love. At some point in his life, somebody did something to him that disconnected him from the very essence of what it meant to be innocent. And all he did was perpetuate what happened to him. And so he deserves that love. He deserves, and some people say, he doesn't deserve love. How does that even make sense? If you call, especially if you call yourself a Christian, because it says, how can you say you love God, but you don't love the person right next to you? What did Jesus say about God? Jesus said, wherever you, even if you make your bed in hell, in the grave, in Sheol, God is there. <laughs> there is nothing that can separate you from that love. So if God is love and they that walk in love are one with God, where is your love? There's a song. Is it, I forget who's it by. I don't know if it's the Black Eyed Peas or who it is, but it's called Where's the Love? Where's the love? We look at the world and we see the conditions that it's in. And we get really good at complaining and assessing and judging everything that's wrong with the world. Not understanding that the world is out of course because we will not rise to the power, purpose, and potential of what we are. I was reading this passage to my, my, my son earlier. And I said, you know what? In most of the Christian religion, you'll never hear this message preached. But I said, I'm going to share it with you. And I'm going to share it with you guys real quick. And I want you to just meditate it on it. Go read it for yourself. But it's in Psalms 82. And so, quote unquote, this is God talking. This is God talking. So if you say, I believe everything in the Bible and it's, 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 it's God's word. If that's what you believe, I'm going to read this to you. And for some of you, it's going to challenge you because it's going to sound metaphysical. But I always say this new age stuff that people call new age, it's not new. It's just new to you because you've never been taught it. You only know what you've been taught. But Psalms 82, it says, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. Walk on in darkness. All of the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, God speaking, I have said, ye are gods. And all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, and judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit nations. Seed produces after its own kind, right? Let me see if you can handle this basket of apples. My kids carry my attributes. They carry their mother's attributes because seed produces after its own kind. So if, quote unquote, Big G, Big Daddy created me, then that guess what that means? I carry the same attributes. I cannot be, this is why I say I'm not a human being. 
I am a spiritual spiritual being having a human experience. See, I own my divinity, but you try to challenge people, even people in the church, you try to challenge them to think this way. And because they've been thought to think that they are weak and you're always going to be a sinner and you're always going to be lowly and unworthy because that's been so ingrained into them religiously, they don't rise. Instead, they function like the lame man by the pool of Bethesda, having going week in and week out, waiting for the spirit to trouble the water so they can get their healing and receive their blessing, not realizing that they are the blessing that they have been waiting for. So you want to rise to your greatness, accept the inheritance of what you are. When the prodigal son, after wasting his entire inheritance, and I'm going to do a quick room reset. I told you guys, when I go, I go because I want to honor your time. When the prodigal son squandered his entire inheritance away, wallowed in the mud with the pigs, and he went home to his father, who was the king. When he got there, he said, I'll start from the bottom. I'm sorry. I'm unworthy. And the father didn't say, yes, you're unworthy and you're lucky that I'm going to let you in. I'm going to save your life from the mess that you've been living in. He didn't say that. The father says, what are you talking about? You are my son. My son has returned home. We are going to celebrate. See, when you wake up to what you are, it's a celebration that quakes free in your life. You begin to see yourself new. You begin to breathe new. You begin to move new. You begin to create and manifest and speak. And every aspect of your life begins to evolve because now that I have stepped now that I have stepped into the power of what I am, this world and everything in it must now become my footstool. This world and everything in it must now become my inheritance. It is mine again. Therefore, I speak to my finances and I tell them to rise. As I go out and I create connection, as I go out and I use my gifts, guess what? The world has to respond to me. But it's been responding to you your entire life. But because you have been asleep, you haven't realized it. I guarantee you, everybody under the sound of my voice, if you were to look at your life and everything that you, you're creating, write it all down. <laughs> and then I want you to think about how you speak about that area of your life. How do you talk about it? Do you judge it? Do you hate it? Are you sick and tired of being where you are in your life? Do you play a victim? How are you communicating and responding to your life? I guarantee you, if you look at where you are in your life and you look at how you're responding to your life, you will see a correlation. You are the creator creating it all. And see, when you learn to embrace what you are, I always say this, when you learn to embrace what you are, then who you are being personified as in the world has to come into alignment with what you are. But this means you gotta, you can't be afraid to speak about your greatness. See, the Pharisees and Sadducees tried to do this with Jesus. Question, uh, you blaspheme because you call yourself God. And Jesus, referring to Psalms 82, said, how do you say I blaspheme when it is said in your own writings, have I not said you are gods? Guess what? The Pharisees, the quote-unquote religious people of his time, they had nothing to say. They had nothing to say. 
Guess why? Because they were so busy still trying to appease because they were so unworthy and they had to do their sacrifices every day and wash their hands in blood. They had to do all this stuff every day to try to appease God because they had forgotten who they were and what they are. And to accept the responsibility that you are an extension of God, a seed of God, God in the world, an extension of the very essence of the divine in this world, to accept that calls you to a level of responsibility that most people are not ready to accept. But are you ready to accept it? Can you own it? Are you ready to let your light shine so bright that everything that's in the dark must be exposed? Are you ready to let go of those relationships that don't serve you? Are you ready to let go of playing it small? Are you ready to surround yourself with people who are going to elevate you and move you into your greatness? Are you ready to move to be? See, I always say, I'm not here. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm not everybody's flavor of the week. But what I am is a powerful agent of change that will leave a legacy so powerful that a hundred years from now, they won't be talking about what was wrong. They're going to be talking about the leaders who rose to make it right. They're going to be talking about those who own their power to move with such tenacity, to move with such love, to move with such grace that it shifted the entire fabric of humanity. And some may say, well, that's idealistic. Some may say, well, that's not realistic, but be, what's realistic is only relative to how you perceive the world. See, I'm not for everybody. I'm for those who actually believe it's possible. I'm for those who actually believe that they are a rare enough breed to create it. I'm not here for everybody. I'm here for the world changers. I'm here for those who know without a shadow of a doubt that they are here to leave something great to the world. And I give my life to it daily. What are you willing to give your life to today? What significance are you willing to create today? If you don't have a circle around you, then I wanna challenge you in this moment. I want you to search your heart and I want you to feel into what's happening right now. I want you to feel into everything that's coming up for you right now. If you don't have a circle around you, then I wanna challenge you, man, you know, because we always talk about Clubhouse is great, but I, I really wanna challenge you guys. You know, we give you 15 hours of programming each weekday, every weekday from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. And then we also have, you know, 6 a.m. to noon on Saturdays and praise and worship in the club on at one Club 111 on Sundays, you know, but what I really want to invite you guys to do is join us. I want to invite you to join us because we're in the process of celebrating the 1000th episode of Rising Grind. And I'm so excited that Glenn is bringing this back and we're going to be celebrating again the Grow Your Business for God's sake. So if you guys want to check that out, it's going to be November the 5th through the 7th in Lexington, Kentucky. But for more information, I won't go all into that right now, but for more information, I want you guys to go over to growforgod.com. If you are ready to awaken your greatness, surround yourself with people who speak greatness. Surround yourself with people who infuse love into your life, who remind you what you are beyond the idea of who you think you are. Stretch yourself into your greatness. Get out of that comfort zone 
hear my voice and understand that how I speak to you right now, I am not the only one. And if my words are resonating with you right now, it's because your spirit recognizes an extension of itself in those words. I am not more special than anyone listening to my voice right now because we are all one spirit under one source, given one life to live and the opportunity to give love to that life, through that life, for that life. When I die, I don't want people to say, oh, Princeton was a great man and he had a great, great voice. I appreciate that. When I die, when I transition, when I leave this existence, I want people to say, man, the way he loved was so powerful. I could care less what anyone thinks of me as long as what they see is love because it's not about me. Each one of you are special. Each one of you are amazing. Each one of you are great because you were born great. You just grew up. You came into this world as a child that saw everything as an opportunity. Saw everything as something new. Each day, a day to express yourself. And until people programmed you and told you what was beautiful, what was ugly, what was right, was wrong, until you went to the schooling system and they started telling you that if you don't do this, then you're not good, you're not smart, you're not good enough, until people start telling you you're not good, you're not smart, you're not good enough, until life threw some challenges your way, and then next thing you know, you have bosses who don't give you the raise that you worked so hard and you start judging yourself, you're not good enough. All of a sudden, you've put your life on autopilot and now you judge yourself just like those who programmed you to judge yourself. You lost yourself. You lost, lost the innocence of what you are. But I want to speak to your greatness. Understand that just like Jesus, your journey ahead of you, you're going to be tested to be proven. But you have to return to the kingdom within. It's available now, not when you die, now. He said, don't worry about what you will eat, what you will wear, where you will live. Matter of fact, don't even worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough concerns of its own. Instead, seek ye first the kingdom. What was he saying? Return back like the prodigal son. Remember that you are royalty. And understand the reason you don't need to worry about tomorrow, the reason you don't need to worry about the stuff is because it's all in the kingdom. But the problem is we don't seek the kingdom. We're too busy seeking the lie of not being good enough, the lie that I gotta work so hard and nobody's gonna see me, the lie that I'm not, you know, all the lies. Everybody has a different lie that they tell themselves that keeps them from being significant. And as a result of that lie, it also keeps them from being successful. But if you are truly successful, there are successful people who will tell you that there are heartaches with being successful if they have not created a life of significance. They end up alone. Their relationships end up not going well. You know, they end up creating great wealth and it's still not enough. Why? Because what they are seeking is within. But they're too busy seeking externally for the validation. Look at what I have. Look at this house I just bought, this car I just bought. Okay, great. But when you die, none of that's going with you. So what have you really done? What does it profit a man to gain the world yet lose his soul, lose his connection to the kingdom? Lose his awareness of what he is. What does it profit you? What matters if you have, what does it matter if you got all this money and all these connections, but no significance? It doesn't matter.
But for years, I focused on being love. I focused on being significant. I didn't chase success. People ask me like, where have you been? Why haven't you put yourself out there more? And I was like, because I didn't want to just put myself out there and fall into the trap that I've seen so many people come before me fall into. My life wasn't changed so I could be a, a, a celebrity in a moment <laughs> only to fall in the next moment. My life changed so that I could be a legacy. And that meant I had to seek something much greater than me so that I could restore my own greatness in my own personal life and awaken that greatness in the lives of every person that crosses my path. And I've built a foundation and a career off of that. And as I always say, you build a life of significance, living in your greatness. Success will always be the byproduct, but it will be success that sticks, not success that flees. Because the roots are so deep. The roots are so strong. I want to challenge you guys to own that today. And if this is speaking to you and you're like, I need this in my life, I want you to reach out to me. Right now, I'm, I'm doing a, I have my mentorship program that I run. And the next one will be September 22nd. And so I just opened it up. So it's $3.95 to join the mentorship program. But it's for a small group of people. And you can ask anyone that's ever gone through it. It's going to change your life. But more than that, it's going to create a community of people who are working towards the same kingdom change in their own life. It's going to shift the way you do business. It's going to shift the way you see business. It's going to shift the way you see your relationships. It's going to shift the way you respond, you think, you hear. But this is the last time I'm running it at that price. And then it will go back up to regular price. But I just want to love on people, man. And so all that info, info, if you guys are looking for a community like that and you need or require that uplifting, that power, you know, and you have questions and you just don't know where to go, reach out to me and I can get you that information. Or you can just go over to Instagram or Instagram and click the link in my bio. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.